0: Welcome to a special episode of Talking Underwater.
1: One water, one
0: podcast. I'm Bob Crossan, Managing Editor of Water and Waste Digest. I'm Lauren
1: Baltus, Managing Editor of Stormwater Solutions. And I'm Amy McIntosh,
2: Managing Editor of Water Quality Products.
0: So this special episode is all about AWWA ACE 18 in Las Vegas. Um, We were there just last week. Um, I got to spend a lot of time talking to people in their booths and interviewing them about kind of the future of the industry. It seemed like the big buzzword this year and theme was smart water. Um, everyone was talking about smart water, despite the fact that this kind of computational thing has kind of been around for a long time, but now it's finally hitting its like heyday, I guess. Um, so it became a big, a big topic of discussion, but. Um, I wanted to start with uh, with Amy and Lauren because they actually attended, got to attend some sessions and wanted to hear a little bit about what they had learned um, while they were there. So,
2: so um, the first thing we did was we went to um, the opening general session, mm-hmm. and that was really interesting. Uh, we started, once the official uh, AWWA business was taken care of, uh, we got a really cool um, virtual reality, or yes, virtual reality. Demonstration uh, from a utility who had us download an app. We put our phones in this little box that they
1: gave us, and we got to see a tour of a facility. If you thought that was cool, you can find plenty of virtual reality in our magazines. (laughs) Well, it's
0: augmented augmented reality.
1: reality. It's in the same vein. Yes.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a super interesting demonstration. Um, And the uh, Opening general session keynote speaker, Ira Flato. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Sci-
0: Science Friday guys.
2: NPR, Ira Flato uh, was the speaker, and it was very interesting. He was talking about being an innovator when, um, about how not all innovators are scientists, and how regular people, celebrities, mm-hmm. all kinds of people with a good idea, you're all innovators. So it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty interesting. Including
1: some pretty cool um, women and innovators from mm-hmm. across history, and how being a woman scientist isn't just wearing high heels in a lab.
2: Yes, he did play a moderately offensive commercial that he acknowledged. <laughs> he <because> acknowledged, yeah. <laughs> that was pulled from the air because you could you could feel all the women in the audience kind of tense up yeah. when he started playing this commercial. Yeah. But luckily, that was the point. So. Yeah, it <laughs> uh-huh. was really
1: good to mm-hmm. listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, we Amy and I both went to a cup, a couple of sessions between, you know, talking to people on the show floor and um, I went to some stormwater sessions. Um, there one of the sessions I went to was particularly about how stormwater is connects to one water, which we all love one water <laughs> we're talking about it. Um, and particularly how green infrastructure plays a role in that, so I'll definitely be following up with that speaker and seeing if they want to talk to me again. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what sessions did you go
2: to? Um, I was trying to go to some sessions about small systems because that's kind of a focus that we're trying to take here. Uh, unfortunately, the ones that I went to weren't as small as I had hoped, but <laughs> they were still very interesting. Um, some of the utilities represented were Tulsa, there was someone from St. Cloud, Minnesota, Um, and right then I knew that those were gonna be a little larger than the smalls that I was looking for, but it was still interesting to kind of hear some of their problems. Um, Mm -hmm. The speaker from Tulsa was talking about some of the equipment they have at their plants that they can't, it's becoming so outdated that they can't afford to replace it, the machiner- machinery with new equipment, but it's also so old that they don't make replacement parts anymore, so the, uh, the infrastructure and the technology maintenance has been kind of challenging for them, so um, yeah, it was interesting to
1: hear from some of those utilities. Yeah. Yeah. We also visited Lake Mead, which if you want to hear more about that, you can check out our main episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and um,
0: We'll also have a video on our website about that as well. So.
1: Um, Another site visit that only a few people from the team went on, including myself, was to see Project NEON, which is a huge roadway project in Nevada, Um, and uh, there is a stormwater component there because it is such a large road project, and um, Nevada experiences a lot of flash floods, so they have to be prepared for those. There's also a lot of um, wind erosion, so I was talking to the... Um, contractors a bit, project managers a bit about how um, there's they spray down the dust and they really try to manage that in this dry, dry heat of Las Vegas. So um, that was a very, very hot site visit. It was 108, um, but it was really interesting.
0: Uh, getting back to what Amy was talking about with the small systems, um, I got to meet with U.S. Water and I interviewed Nathan Bach and Mary Sitko. Uh, Nathan Bach is a senior executive for U.S. Water and Mary Sitko is municipal sales director for Tonka Water, which U.S. Water per- uh, recently acquired. I believe that was last September. Um, so I got to speak to them a little bit about small systems as well in, as industrial systems. So here's a little bit from that interview now. So here at ACE you guys are highlighting uh, Project Ohio, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sure, it was a
3: small town in central Ohio that needed help with iron and manganese filtration and also uh, softening. Okay. So the equipment that we selected for our system included uh, the Dualator 3, which is aeration, detention, and filtration, followed by uh, membranes for RO, softening. Yes. It's a little unusual to have a gravity system paired with a pressure system, but what really appealed to the city in this case was the low profile of the dualator 3 and the compact footprint. Okay. And it also gives them very easy access to maintenance for the filters, which would be different in a pressure system. They okay. couldn't have the access. So it, um, it's about a half MGD uh, facility and okay. serves the town of about a thousand people.
0: That leads right into the next question, small systems. You're talking about a very small system there. Um, what other types of things have you guys been working on in small systems? Like where are you seeing trends go? There?
3: We um, Most of our sites historically or our projects historically have been small systems. We focus on about 100 GPM um, up to, you know, one or two MGD. It would probably be about 80% of our projects. And as far as the technologies available to these systems, a lot of these municipalities are resource constrained. Um, So I think there's a lot of things that they want to do, but they have trouble. Um, One thing we have done with our controls, we have full system control, and we've given these operators remote access so that they're able to, most of them have multiple jobs within the municipality, so they're able to access and see how the system's running when they're not actually
0: So that was an interesting discussion with with them. They had a lot more to say. Um, We did get a lot of this on video as well. So if you want to see the full interview, please visit our website. We'll have a video of that uh, up for you to see and hear a little bit more about their vision, um, U.S. Water and Tonka Water working together so that they're in both the municipal and the industrial sectors and what that means for uh, the future of of their business. Uh, Next, I spoke with ITRON. Now um, they talked a lot about smart cities and smart metering. They had a they had a meter that they were showing off that was a um, solid state meter with its own their own in house developed polymer. Um, But part of my discussion with them, beyond just the product information, was talking a little bit about water scarcity, water loss. how to manage pressure in a system and whatnot. So here's a little bit of my interview with Mike Scarpelli. He's the director of product management and customer quality at iTron.
4: We're really trying to challenge the market and get to smart cities mm-hmm. because we feel like there's, in my, in my opinion, there's four separate markets in North America. Really, mm-hmm. there's there's a small to medium utilities that's mm-hmm. you know anywhere from 500 to 10,000. Yeah. Know, really, that's small to medium. Then there's the medium to large and large utilities um, that that uh, you know want. AMR walk by drive by or fly by um, and you get into the real large utilities that are want managed services and optimization and then there's the smart city and that smart city wants everything connected and, and I think so So really that smart city is just boiling over right now I mean in yeah. the last what five years three years five years I mean that's that's just that's taken over I mean everything's connected more of us have more yeah. of us will have smart cars and that's going to be part <laughs> of your you know I mean, it's just it's crazy how yeah. fast it's going so, yeah.
0: I mean it's it's just very clear there's so much smart water like the that's just the buzzword on every right. sign that I feel like I see around here like it doesn't matter where I'm looking I'm seeing smart water from everybody so it's just like that is the future I feel we're at that we're at the boiling
4: point now and it's like where well is because it go? it's that next resource that's going to be shortage right I mean yeah. right, I mean yeah. not everybody has renewable water like I think we're spoiled in the Pacific Northwest because we get snow every year yeah. and sometimes we get a lot a lot more than we'd like yeah we're but, in Chicago but, we know but, the same deal yeah, so <laughs> so, so, you know, it's, we don't worry about it in that northern northern part of the United States. lower part, yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, you know? yeah uh, so, right here. Yeah, guess, post, right here exactly.
0: So, yeah, nat- nat- so naturally, Cape Town has been something that we've been covering because it does kind of have that one water aspect to it. Um, so I wanted to include a little bit of that from ITRON because they, they were talking about some of that and kind of the water resources and how to best use them. Um, and on that topic, I also spoke with Fracta, um, they are a machine learning company, so they use the data from uh, water treatment plants. Um, they have their internal in-house people what they call wrangle that data, and then they send it through this machine learning AI, and it determines uh, or tries to assess where br- breaks in a system are, are likely to occur or where leaks in a system are likely to occur. Uh, it was a really fascinating interview that I had with um Doug Hatler. He's the VP of sales for Fracta. Um, So I wanted you to hear a little bit about how that works from Fracta's side. So here's a little bit of that.
5: There's three steps, and you can see them over there. But we get the data, we we wrangle it, we call it wrangling. So Mm -hmm. we go through, we we look at the data, we look for errors, then we wrangle it, which is really in in data science terms, is taking the data and transforming it into the form for which it needs to be in to do whatever you're going to do with it in computer science. In this case, put it into the machine. So we we take all that data, put it in there. We also then put on top of it all these other data points, like soil properties and all that. And then we run the machine learning algorithm. It's a supervised machine learning algorithm. so we, tra- we train it with the with the data, but then once it's once it's it's learned, that you run the full kit, you run the full set of data now, and we predict, and now we predict it. When it
0: comes to doing this desktop assessment, are you using data that the operators in the system is providing you?
5: Then, yeah, what they do is they provide us their asset data which normally comes out of their GIS a lot of museums okay. report GIS yeah. and what we need what we get from them is um, like any asset it will have an ID number an asset mm-hmm. tag like you've seen on your computer or your desk yeah. at work they give it a pipe ID, so we get the pipe ID, mm-hmm. the segment length, its diameter, the material of construction. In water mains, it's typically steel, cast iron, ductile iron, some sort of, some form of plastic or reinforced steel, and reinforced yeah. concrete. Um, we also get the break history, if, if the line's ever broken, mm-hmm. how many times it was broken, and then <clears throat> the install date. The install okay. date's important because that, that kind of uh, represents the construction of how the material was made. Steel yeah. made in 1940 sure. is very different than steel made. You know, oh, cast yeah. iron yeah. in 1940 <laughs> right. breaks all the time. Cast iron from 1890 doesn't break that often because it was you know inch and a half thick. It yeah real thin. So we get that information from them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's what we wrangle. We clean yeah. it up. We review it to make sure there isn't any missing data. Mm-hmm. You know, looking for anomalies, like you wouldn't have PVC pipe in 1920. We've, we've yeah. seen stuff like that. <laughs> you know, we've seen an entire section, you know, of pipe all with 1940 install dates. We go, this looks like a big anomaly. This is an anomaly. Oh, yeah, they said we weren't really sure. It was in the 40s. so We just decided we'll put all of them in 1940. So and yeah. then we'll go to the tax maps. We'll try to figure out when was that development Build yeah. and we'll try to hone in a little bit more in the yeah, year. Be like, oh yeah, maybe it was 42 yeah. in May. Or so once, so they, <laughs> once we get their data, um, let's call it uh, cleaned up and validated by them that, yes, this is the final data set. We'll take that, import it into the system, mm-hmm. and we can show, initially, just what the distribution system looks like on a map. Yep. We use Mapbox in the solution. And then um, and you can look at, we give them about eight different graphs and charts you can look at in terms of your break rates per time, breaks okay. rate per material, of construction like But then, um, that's when we then take the data. We, we put on top of it all of these other data factors. We get them from national data sources, like NOAA for climate. We get soils from the Ag, uh, ag um, U.S. Uh, agricultural mm-hmm. um, from the Soil Survey. We get slopes and elevations from Google Maps. Mm-hmm. So we take all that additional data, we geocode it, yep. so it, it's pinpointed to the segments. Mm-hmm. And then once that's done, we run. We, then we run the machine learning algorithm. Gotcha. And it runs, and that's when it runs. And then if it finds a correlation, it calculates that likelihood of a failure. How are you doing?
0: So I'm sorry to put you through that onslaught of multiple interviews, but a lot of my time at the show was spent in booze talking to people about these topics and kind of about what they bring to the table, Um, and I thought it was really interesting, so I wanted to bring you a little bit of that information as well. Um, but before we go, we also wanted to talk a little bit about our publisher, Dennis. He's been in the industry for 29 years. He's retiring on July 13th. Um, and I mean, I think we all adore him, so I I (laughs) was
2: his last ace. So we got to spend his last ace with him. We don't see him very often because he's not in our office with us. So it was great to see him and he will be missed.
1: And send him your well wishes if
0: you know Mm him. Yeah. He, um, just to go back to the ACE thing, he started his job at this company at ACE. 29 years ago. (laughs) So he's gone to 30 ACEs in a row. Um, He's really a tremendous boss. We've all adored working with him. We don't know how anyone's going to fill those shoes. So we appreciate all the time that we spent with you, Dennis, and thank you so much for being an awesome boss. Congrats, Dennis.
1: Congrats.
0: Congratulations, Dennis. And that's a wrap. Uh, If you want to send us questions, or if you have any interesting tidbits you'd like to share with us, please email us at talkingunderwater at sgcmail.com. You can find us on uh, SoundCloud. We're working on getting on both iTunes and Stitcher so that you can update your feed whenever you want, whenever you need it, as soon as an episode comes up. In the meantime, please sign up for our podcast newsletter. You can find that on all of our sites. We'll send out a e newsletter every time we have a new episode and you can get it right then and there and you can listen to it whenever you have the free time so
3: that's on
1: water and waste digest water quality products and stormwater solutions
0: yeah so please, please sign up for that, and we'll be sending that out to you as often as possible.
1: Oh, I was just going to say,
2: we'll see you at the next trade show. Yeah, yeah. That's how your ace was.
0: Yeah, my next, my next show will be the One Water Summit in Minneapolis, so I'm hoping to have some good One Water interviews for you uh, sometime in mid-July. So look forward to that special episode as well.
1: Thanks, Bob.
0: Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs>